celebrating uh, Christ's love with all of you. Great choices, great selections, Tom. Uh, the victory uh, it has already been won when Jesus went to the cross and, and he rose again from the grave. Next week, we're going to get back in our series uh, with the book of Acts. And then we're going to take that all the way down to about Mother's Day and finish out that book. Uh, it has been an awesome series for us to dig into. Uh, we're excited about uh, uh, looking into that scripture, seeing how uh, that concludes uh, as a congregation. But this year or this week, we're going to take uh, one more week uh, to look at a, a different topic. And as we start 2019, perhaps several of us start off with resolutions. Many people have resolutions. A resolution is defined as a firm decision to do or not do something. You know, maybe I, I can ask you guys to raise your hand and give us one of your resolutions. And, and maybe you have them, maybe you don't. Uh, throughout your life, you've probably made uh, goals or, or ideas of what you wanted to do uh, during the year. And you've either succeeded or, as a majority of people, you didn't succeed in those. I know one year I was, I was trying to do one push-up every day and then add one to it. And maybe I told you that already. And, and I, I got to uh, something like 30 or 40 push-ups in a day. And, and uh, yeah, that was the end of it. Uh, so, so my resolution, uh, where I was going to do the 365 push-ups on the last day of the year, didn't, didn't come to fruition. But uh, we, we tried to make these resolutions. We try to look, have some vision looking forward. Here's, here's what one person said. Someone once observed that a wasted life is really nothing more than a collection of wasted days. As God gives us life, each one of us starts the new year with the same number of opportunities, 365 on a regular year, that we can choose to either use and invest in eternal things or allow to drift by without taking advantage of the gift that we have been given. The difference between those who succeed and those who fail is not found primarily in talent, but in diligence and effort. Last Sunday, uh, I went to a wake uh, of, of a funeral that I was going to be officiating the following day, and uh, 84-year-old... Uh, young lady had passed away. I had an opportunity to minister with her for, for about three, four weeks before she passed away, her and her husband. Her husband is 83, uh, now a widower, and um, there's a lot of questions about Jesus, a lot of questions about who he is. And you know, they reflected on their life while she was able to communicate still uh, prior to her. Uh, I, I went there a couple times. She was just sleeping. They were keeping her medicated uh, quite heavily. Um, but life went by like that. She had spent 47 years and 10 months working at Jewel. And she loved every single day. But she said, it, she remembers, it was like, it was yesterday when she started. 
You know, that, that's a thing. That this life just keeps going faster and faster and faster. And what are we doing with our life today? How are we having a vision of what's coming next? Whether what's coming later today, when the bears beat the eagle, or what's coming, <laughs> that was for Tommy, or what's coming for an eternal future. Because that, in the end, is what matters. Right? Our eternal future is all that matters because that means we either have an opportunity to worship Jesus in his presence forever or to be wanting to worship Jesus and never having that capability. Today we're going to look at one of Jesus' parables. I'd love to do a whole sermon series. Maybe we will as pastors. We'll do a whole sermon series on parables told by Jesus, a tremendous storyteller, the best there ever was. And uh, we're going to go uh, uh, talk about uh, the parable that we call the parable of the ten virgins. And you guys remember this parable, right? Uh, the, it was the night of the wedding, uh, the, the third point of the ceremony, the wedding uh, reception, the banquet is about to happen, and, and everybody is waiting for the bridegroom to arrive. Everybody's anxious about it. It's a huge event, and there's these ten bridesmaids, ten virgins, that, that are just waiting for this arrival to come into the, into the city, and they've got their lamps. They fall asleep because it's been so long. They just keep waiting, and, 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 and the bridegroom is delayed, and, and, and they finally fall asleep. But then there's the cry, the midnight cry, and, and they all wake up, and they all get their lanterns ready to go, and five of them have extra oil with them, and five don't. Five were wise. Five were foolish. Five who were wise, who had extra oil, they got to go into the celebration. The other five, they never get to go in, ever. They're left behind. The door is closed. That's a quick summary of what this parable is about. We're going to dig in and see how, how that parable, how we can look at it and perhaps change what's going on in our thoughts and hopefully in our hearts for today and, and even for our future. So we're going to read these together. It's found in Matthew uh, chapter 25. I think I put it up there. Matthew chapter 25, verses 1 through 13. Then the kingdom of heaven, verse 1 here, Matthew 25, verse 1. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a cry, Here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps, and the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. 
And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Verse 13. Watch therefore, for you need know neither the day nor the hour. Heavenly Father, bless these words. May you have honor. May you teach us this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, some quick observations that, that I made in studying this and in reading it uh, before we get into our points. Uh, so here are, the, here are some ob observations. First of all, there are a significant amount of similarities between the wise and the foolish. There are a significant amount of similarities. They have, here, here they are, all had been waiting, had been invited to the banquet. And they, they probably all RSVP'd as well, saying we'll be there. They all, all ten of them, were waiting specifically for the bridegroom. They had the bridegroom in mind. All ten of them had lamps. Lanterns, torches, we'll talk about that more in a minute. All were waiting in the right spot. They're all in the right spot. All of them wanted to attend the celebration. Every single one of them wanted to attend. All had oil in their lamps at the beginning. They all had some sort of flame to start with. All of them fell asleep while they were waiting. It's an interesting point because some people say, oh, the foolish fell asleep. But they all fell asleep. They all fell asleep. All woke up when the bridegroom arrived. Every single one of them woke up. All ten virgins got up to prepare their lamps. They all got up when they heard it. They all got up. No one stayed laying down. And they all started preparing their lamps. All had the same information to start the evening as well. They all knew that the bridegroom most likely would be delayed. They knew that the event most likely was going to be about a seven-day event. They knew that this wasn't going to be just a, a short celebration. They all had that information ahead of time. But there's an obvious difference. Half of them had extra oil, and half of them did not. Half of them were fully prepared, half were not. Many similarities, but this one major difference. So let's break this parable down. The husband, the bridegroom, is Jesus. Jesus is telling about himself. He's speaking about himself. Isaiah 54, 4-6 says, from the Old Testament, fear not, for you will not be ashamed, be not confounded, for you will not be disgraced, for you will forget the shame of your youth and reproach of your widowhood, you will remember no more. For your maker is your husband, the Lord of hosts is his name, and the Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer, the God of the whole earth he is called. For the Lord has called you like a wife deserted and grieved in spirit, like a wife of youth when she is cast off, says your God. Or we can go to the New Testament, Mark 2, 19 through 20. And Jesus said to them, Can the wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. 
The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast in that day. God is pictured as the husband, or more specifically, Jesus as the bridegroom. The church, as Ephesians 5 says, is the bride. Though interesting enough, Jesus never mentions that in this particular parable. But we know that the church is the bride. The ten virgins in this story, uh, they're probably bridesmaids. Young ladies that, that know the bride well, know the bridegroom probably. They're personal friends with them. Uh, and, and their primary job, their total focus, is, is that they light the, their way. They do their part in the wedding ceremony as they light the way, as they walk through the city, and as they go to the party. There wasn't electricity where they can turn it on and off. Uh, one commentary put it this way. Normally the bridegroom, with some close friends, left his home to go to the bride's home, where there were various ceremonies, followed by a procession through the streets after nightfall, heading to his home. The ten virgins may be bridesmaids who have been assisting the bride, and they expect to meet the groom as he comes from the bride's home. Everyone in the procession was expected to carry his or her own torch. Those without a torch would be assumed to be party crashers or even bandits. The festivities, which might last several days, would normally get underway at the groom's house. So, so when Jesus is telling this parable, remember this is at the end of uh, uh, the Sermon on the Mount. When he's telling this parable, everybody would know exactly what he was talking about. This was very common for them to understand. They, they understood that why you would need extra oil. In fact, they thought it was ridiculous in their minds that the five foolish people didn't have extra oil because it was so obvious. You have to bring extra oil with you to light the torch uh, to keep it going through the night. Okay, specific points. And I think these are powerful and, and maybe things we can reflect on in our own lives. First point, true relationships. True relationships. I mentioned these ten women were probably good friends with with the bride, most likely. They were most likely sisters or cousins or, or very dear, close friends. They're probably Molly's age, 12 years old, um, maybe younger. Remember, brides back then were, were much younger. And so these were very young ladies, but they knew their job well. They had seen it happen over and over. It was a special day. It, it was a special um, joy to be part of this procession to be asked to be part of this was a great thing kind of like now if you're asked to be a bridesmaid uh or or a groomsman you take that job pretty serious you make sure you get the tux and and you get to the wedding early and you get those pictures you, you take great responsibility but for whatever reason these five foolish virgins they didn't take their job serious or they didn't take their relationship serious with the bride and the bridegroom. Because in the end, what does it say? What did the bridegroom say? I do not know you. That's huge to hear from your friend. I don't even know you. Because only true friends would be prepared. People who didn't care, people didn't care about the relationship, they wouldn't be prepared. 
And that's the thing. These ladies, they had the finances, they had the time, they had the knowledge of what to do and how to have the extra oil, but they just put it off. They, they, they put their laziness in front of their relationship. You know, when you have true feelings for someone, you do crazy stuff. No, no matter how, how, Sherry and I have been married 21 and a half years. I'll fill the half in there. And, and I'll still do, I'll still drive 10 hours if I need to in order to see her one day earlier than I thought I was going to. In college, you know, you, you, you come home at, at, you didn't get done with basketball until like 12.30 at night, you got back, and, oh, I'm still going to drive home because I, I need to see uh, my girlfriend when I get home. Or, or, or you spend too much money on them because you're, you're showing how much you love them. You, you think about them. You write them cards. You go out of your way when you care about somebody tremendously. You, you don't forget about them. You send them messages. It could be just a good friend. You write them a letter. You show them you appreciate him or her. You go visit them if they're at the hospital. You, you do crazy things sometimes when, when, you, when you really care about somebody. Having extra oil with you in this particular case wasn't a crazy thing. It, it was normal. It'd be like not telling your, your spouse happy birthday on their birthday. Everyone just expects you're going to tell them happy birthday, maybe give them a little gift. In this case, they just didn't. These ladies, they're followers. Jesus is, is identifying these ladies in this parable as followers of his. As people who would be considered Christians. At least professing Christians. Everything outwardly about all ten virgins is the exact same. They all had all those similarities. You couldn't pick them out if they were in a group of people, which ones were foolish and which ones were wise. Every, every one of them wanted to be part of the marriage ceremony. But verse 2, what does verse 2 say? Five of them were foolish and five were wise. Interesting enough, that word foolish, in its original meaning, means moron, stupid. And in the end, that's kind of what it is. They had, these ladies had the opportunity to be part of the biggest celebration that there was. A wedding party here was the biggest deal of all social events, and they were invited to it. They were front and center, and they just chose not to be about it. The five foolish girls, they didn't have a true relationship with the bridegroom. That's evident. Second thing, second point, is borrowing faith. Borrowing faith. Verse 6. But at midnight there was a cry, Here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. All ten ladies, right away we can see, all ten ladies trimmed their lamps. Trimming your lamp, it, it was the only way to keep that flame going brightly. The only way to keep it going brightly. Otherwise, it, it would 
either smolder out, it would just be more smoke, it would be light, light. Most likely it was a, it was a larger torch as opposed to uh, uh, a little lantern that you kind of picture in a lot of the uh, old school videos or pictures. Um, it was probably a larger torch where they had to fill it in and, and, and they'd have to trim off the cloth at the end of it and then have new cloth and they'd have to douse that and get enough oil going in order to get that flame going. But that's not what the, these girls were doing. And the only thing uh, they needed to do uh, was add oil. But they didn't have any oil. It would be like if, if I had this flashlight. Oh, it worked. So if I had this flashlight, and, and it's bright, isn't it, Tom? And, and it works, and it's great, and, and Reggie comes up to me and says, Dad, his flashlight, yeah, it doesn't work. And, and he goes, Dad, I need, I need help. My flashlight doesn't work. I, I, I need, and, and, and I grab the flashlight, and, and I open up the back, and I'm like, there's no batteries in it, Reggie. He goes, okay, can I have yours? Can I have your batteries? Well, I, I don't have extra batteries, Reggie. Yeah, but can I have yours? Well, if I took my batteries out, what would happen? My light would go out. I wouldn't have any, it, it would do a, neither one of us any good. And, and maybe, maybe my batteries wouldn't fit his batteries. In this case, it would. But. But the point is, is that I can't give up even one of my batteries. If I gave up one battery, and Reggie had one, and I had one, now neither of us would work. And, and that's the thing. These ladies aren't even thinking, because if they give up some of their oil, the other lights will go out quickly. And then they won't be able to be part of the, that ceremony, because they will be considered party crashers. You had to be responsible for your own. And yet they weren't. They tried to steal, take the others. They tried to borrow oil. You know oil in this parable is the Holy Spirit. Just like it, it was in the Old Testament. The anointing. You remember that? It's absolutely impossible to borrow the Holy Spirit from another person. Here's how I heard the parable explained one time. Pre-9-11, you guys probably remember this, uh, when you went to the airport, you can walk all the way to the gate uh, before really showing your boarding pass. And, and, I mean, we would go there and wave goodbye to people, or I'd meet Sherry if she got home from something, or, or what, you just did that. You just got to go wherever you wanted. Well, it'd be like uh, me and, and someone going to the, to the gate, and, and he's got his boarding pass, and, and I don't. And, and we get to the gate, and they're like, oh, I don't have my boarding pass. And, and my buddy's like, oh, okay, well, you better get one. I said, no, just give me yours. Well, I couldn't take his boarding pass. First, it wouldn't match my name if they checked that. But second, if I took his, he can't get on the plane. And, and so my friend would probably say, go get a boarding pass. And as I ran back in the olden day, I may not have been able to buy it or get it right there. 
I'd have to run all the way back to the front counter, get the boarding pass, print it out, all the way back, and by that time the plane's gone. Because I didn't have my own boarding pass. I couldn't take somebody else's boarding pass. Just because your mom brought you to church every single day does not make you a personal friend with the bridegroom. It doesn't give you a relationship with Jesus Christ. Just because you gave towards our all-in giving, where we surpassed our goal, and you gave a whole bunch, doesn't give you the right to come into the wedding feast. Just because you come to church now as an adult doesn't make you a believer in Jesus Christ. That was the conversation I was having with, with, with the couple. The, the questions came about uh, who, who, uh, the lady who died. The questions came about, hey, I used to go to church all the time, and I served in this way and that way. I said, that's not good enough. That's not, that's not what being a Christian is. Being a Christian is, is great things. You, you do nice things. But being a Christian means that you are a child of Jesus Christ, that you are fellow heirs to the kingdom. That's what a Christian is. A Christian does all kinds of nice things because uh, out of their heart of love and care, they, they love for their fellow man. But being a Christian means serving and loving Jesus Christ, bowing your knee before him. You can't borrow somebody else's faith. You can't do enough good things. You know, that, that, in the end, that's, that's the thing. Th these ladies couldn't have been good enough to get into the wedding celebration because if that was the case these 10 virgins ran and bought oil and then they came with the oil but they still weren't let in so they couldn't do good enough no you've got to have a true relationship that goes back to that first point true relationship is the only thing that matters you cannot borrow someone else's faith if your dad's a pastor, if your dad is a king, if your dad is a professional athlete, it doesn't make a difference. You have to decide if you love Jesus Christ. You have to decide if you bow before him. You have to decide if you love him. And that leads us to our next point. The door will be shut. The door will be shut. I should have put an exclamation point after that. You can add that. Starting with verse 10. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him, went in with, with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Our days are numbered. Our days are numbered. Psalm 139.16 your eyes saw my unformed substance in your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when yet there was none of them. 
Job 14.5, since his days are determined and the number of months in it is with you and you have appointed his limits that cannot pass. Matthew 6.27, and which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? James 4.14, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Should I go on? Let's do it. Psalm 39.4, O Lord, Make me know my end and what is the measure of my days. Let me know how fleeting I am. Let's end it with Psalm 90, 12. So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Our days on earth are limited. Whether that comes in the form of death or the return of Christ. Only one life soon will pass. Only what's done for Christ will last. At some point, we're either going to be celebrating the wedding with the bridegroom, or we're going to be standing outside knowing that we are not welcome to enter because the door has been shut. That's just the truth of what this parable is teaching. Have you ever seen the movie War Games? War Games is about this kid who, who uh, messes around with the computer, a 1983 movie. Great movie from my vantage point. I like those movies. Uh, and, and, and this kid, he messes with the computer, and, and he, he trips, tricks the computer to think that it's playing a, a nuclear war game. Global thermal nuclear war, I think is what it says on there. And, and, and so the computer that, uh, for, for the United States, they think, oh my goodness, there's an actual nuclear war coming. The Russians are attacking us with nuclear bombs. According to their computers, that's what it's saying. And he's just messing around in his bedroom. Well, eventually the movie goes on, and they really believe that there is going to be a nuclear war. And so they go to DEFCON 5 or whatever it is. And they're racing up this, they're going up this mountain, and they are racing to get into this bunker that has this 30-foot door that's iron and hugely thick, and the door is closing. And you can, you know, they build you up, get you on the edge of your seat, and they just make it in before the door seals and, and hugely locks in place. Unable to open that door from the outside. The only way the door ever opens is through the word of the President of the United States from the inside. That's what I picture in my head when I, when I think about the door will be shut. That, that there's nothing you could do. It doesn't matter how good you are, how smart you are, how nice you were, how much you gave. Only the people that were true friends got to go through that door. Only people who, who didn't think they could borrow someone else's faith, who knew that their faith had to be their own. Those were the only people they got to get in. And that'll go to our final point, the danger of self-deception. The danger of self-deception. You see, these five foolish virgins thought that they could still make it to the wedding ceremony. They really did. They, they thought if they bought some last-minute oil, they can get there. They're going to hustle up, and, and, and they're going to get it, and, and they're going to they're get to the wedding ceremony, but they were wrong. They were dead wrong. 
just before Jesus teaches about this in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus predicts that false Christian prophets will be coming as wolves in sheep's clothing. He says they may use all the right God talk and even make impressive displays of power, power, but they will not belong to the Lord. And in verse 21 and 23 of Matthew 7, it says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. As these virgins found out, and this is a cool, cool thought, and yet a scary thought at the same time, it turns out that it doesn't matter if you know the bridegroom it matters if the bridegroom knows you think of that so many people say i know jesus i believe in god satan does what matters is if the bridegroom recognizes you as a fellow heir. 1 Corinthians 8.3 says, But if anyone loves God, he is known by God. John 10.14 says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own. And my own know me. Too many people have the issue where they know about God, they know what to say, they know all the right words, but they're forgetting about that intimate relationship they need to have with the king. You know what? People feel like they're going to miss out on something in this world. That they're not going to have enough fun. They're not going to be able to do the own, their own thing. If they give their life to Jesus Christ, that that's going to be what nerds do. What people who, who don't know how to live life do. If you're like me, the older I get, the faster time gets. Just the other day, I was telling, I think it was Maddie about it, maybe Molly, about, I remember when I first got my driver's license. I remember the day I got it. That was a long time ago now. Tom was just saying when I was born is when he got his license. <laughs> time flies. And it's just getting faster and faster and faster. And too many people think that they're going to live however they want. And then at the end, I'll give my life to Jesus. First of all, Jesus knows your heart. He understands that. There are many, many situations where people give their lives at the end of their life. Because we have a, a beautiful, merciful creator who loves us and knows us intimately, he knows our hearts. But it's not possible for many. Many, many, many people die instantly or they die without 
any um, knowledge of that it's coming their way. The end of life comes like a thief in the night. There's a, there's a scene in the movie, God's Not Dead. Some of you have seen that movie. And, and the professor who's, who's been arguing uh, about uh, atheism in his classroom, uh, he gets hit by a car. He has an opportunity uh, to give his life to Christ before he dies. Let, let's see that scene. Jacob, I think you have it up there. Oh, that's perfect. So much of sunny and clear skies. ribs are crushed. His lungs are filling with blood. He doesn't have more. Are you sure? Yeah. Don't move. I can't die. I'm not ready. Do you know Jesus? I'm an atheist. I believe it's God's mercy that brought me here right now. I'm dying. Can you call that mercy? Because that car could have killed you instantly. And I'm sure right now you probably wish that it did. But I'm here to tell you that it's a gift. Because a God that you don't believe in has given you another chance. Another chance to change your final answer. I, I don't want to die. I'm so scared. If it's any consolation, so is Jesus. He's so scared he sweat blood. He asked the Father if it could... Be removed from him. But the answer was no. He's, he says no a lot. He gives us the answer we'd ask for if we knew what he knows. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts are higher than your thoughts, says the Lord. Exactly. So the question is. Stay with me. Stay with me. Are you willing to put your faith in Jesus Christ? Are you willing to take that chance? Yes. God is willing to forgive you of your sins. All of them. If you accept his son and ask him into your life, that's all you have to do is just accept his son. Accept his love receive his forgiveness right now do you accept him as lord and savior yes i i accept <laughs> it's all right in a few minutes you're going to know more about god than i do or anybody else here does it's okay Don't deceive yourself. The value of a relationship with Jesus Christ, uh, with King Jesus, it should not be delayed. 
It shouldn't be delayed uh, any longer as you look and as you plan for this year, as you're looking at 2019, it is a year that you can make an unbelievable difference to the kingdom. One, you could come to Jesus Christ. You know, we, we think we know people, but I don't know your heart. God does. You know your heart, though. Are you living and loving Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? That, I'm not saying be perfect. Because I wouldn't be talking about any one of us then. But do you trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? That would be the biggest impact to the kingdom if you gave your life to Jesus. If you've already done that, who can you go out and share a message with during this year? We have 365 days this year to share the gospel in unique ways, in dynamic ways. Some of you go to school. Some of you uh, go to different workplaces. Some of you are, are uh, connected well with different family members during this time. Some of you are going to visit hospitals. Some of you are going to go uh, on missions trips. How are you sharing the gospel in dynamic ways in the year 2019? How can you spread that legacy of loving Jesus Christ? Because in the end, that's all that matters. I don't know if you guys know Maddie, uh, her, she got in a car accident a little over a week ago. She was parked at, uh, at, at a stoplight, and a guy who was in the left lane decided he wanted to turn right while she was parked and hit the back side of her car and just drove all the way forward, hitting her entire driver's side of her car. And they ended up totaling her car. She called him Ed. And Maddie was really sad about that car. Because that was her first car. That it had to go. And Maddie and I talked about eternal perspective versus earthly perspective. It's okay to love stuff like and enjoy them and take care of them. There's, there's nothing inherently wrong about it. But I shared a story with her about my friend, Mark, who had this beautiful home in Atlanta, and, and he moved up into Indiana, Auburn, Indiana, him and his family left this beautiful home and went into this. He had a family of seven at the time. Then he added two more. He adopted two kids from Ethiopia. Why not make it an even nine? Um, and, and so... They lived in this house that they were all super tight. And, and, and he shows me a picture of the house where he moved from. And the house was amazing. And I said, oh, man, I am so sorry, Mark, that you moved from that house. That, that, that I, I coerced you to come up and be the athletic director here. He goes, what are you talking about, Chappie? It's all going to burn anyway. And he was so sincere. He understood the eternal concept of what he was doing for Jesus was way more important than the stuff he had. And then Maddie pulls out last night as I was heading to bed, uh, what, what did it say? Things? Things are just things. Something she wrote at Bible camp. And she found that note. She goes, Dad, 
You see, we serve an eternal God who's the bridegroom. And we get to go to the wedding feast. We've been invited. And we have the opportunity to say, yes, yes, I want to bow my knee and I want to serve you because it is a pure pleasure to honor you because I have a true relationship with you. And this is my relationship with you. This isn't my wife's. This isn't my brother's. This isn't my mom's. This isn't my dad's. This isn't the neighbor's down the street. This is the relationship I have with you, with the eternal God. And we know that every knee will bow. Jesus says every knee will bow and every tongue confess that he is the Lord. I'd rather do it this side of eternity than on the other side. I'm not trying to scare you into it. I'm trying to lay out what this parable is talking about. It's talking about the honor and the glory of worshiping and celebrating forever. It is good to serve the king. 